from DynastyLeagueFootball.com and the DLF family of podcasts, this is the Super Flex Super Show. Your main source for strategy, speculation, player values, and all things Super Flex. With innovative strategies like QBX and the Super Flex Flywheel, exercises like Tinder Flex, Super Six, You're Nuts, and Next Week This Week, the Super Show's super friends never lack the content you need to help you draft and manage your roster in the fastest-growing fantasy football format, Superflex, on the Superflex Super Show. Enjoy your DLF podcast and stay sexy and super flexy. Welcome to the DLF Dynasty Podcast with your hosts, Dan Myler, Ryan McDowell, and Matt Price. Yes, we are the DLF Dynasty Podcast. I am Dan, that's Matt. Over there is Ryan, and if you're uh, you're familiar with the three of us, you know that we, we like to get together during the NFL draft every year, spend a little time together and watch the picks come off the board. We're fresh off that trip, Matt. Uh, had a lot of fun, but man, I gotta say, you know, we we were prepared to be disappointed with the landing spots, and we spoke over the weekend. And I kept saying, I think this is the best season of landing spots I've had since I started playing Dynasty some twenty-ish years ago. Yeah, you could say that uh, some of these teams didn't honk it at all. They just uh, really went went down the right road. They went down the right path, took the right players. You know, I was upset about the Packers draft at first, but you kind of talked me down. Um, so, you know, I, I've, I've come to terms with it. I wouldn't say I'm excited about it still, but uh, you've you've made some good points and convinced me that they did okay. All right, good. We're making a little progress in that realm. Ryan, <laughs> how about you? The, the draft, you, you pumped out so much content, you and – Ken Kelly, of course, our fearless leader. And we, you know, we tried to cover as much as we could in the written form over the last few days. It's time to talk about these guys, though, right? Yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm ready for it. I think you're, I think you're right uh, on your point uh, as far as the landing spots, which is good news because this class needed that. All right. We, this class needed ideal landing spots. It needed earlier than expected draft capital. And Dan, you and I were talking earlier today before the show. When you think about players who really lost value, and I know we'll get into that topic soon, there's not that many. E- even the guys who fell are still in pretty good, pretty good spots. So if they didn't get that draft capital, they at least got uh, they at least got a soft landing spot where they can still see some value and some production. And considering the lack of true blue chip players like we've had in years past the Jamar chases of the world, Trevor Lawrence from last season, of course, there was so much intrigue and a lot of drama when it came to the draft, especially that first night and early in the second night that, that really trickled down into the dynasty community. And if you were watching Twitter, if you were hanging out with anybody that, that had had any uh, interest in fantasy, there was there was a lot to keep track of for a class that that lacked those blue chip players, and we're going to talk about all of them. We're also going to hit the veterans, all these landing spots, some of the some of the some of the players that gained the most value and lost a little bit of value, and then of course we have to do our post uh, NFL draft mock rookie mock draft as well. But we should get things fired up right away. The startup. You know, I know our listeners are jacked up to hear about all these rookies coming into the league, but the the biggest thing that happened, you could argue, over the weekend or the the long weekend, I should say, are these veteran trades and specifically the wide receivers. Matt, we saw we saw two big deals go down. Both of them raised eyebrows uh, amongst all of us when we were hanging out, and. All of us kind of questioned what the heck was was Tennessee doing trading A.J. Brown to Philadelphia. And I I know they got the first round draft pick and and another pick later on on day two. 
But man, AJ AJ Brown is just hitting his peak years, and he ends up with Philadelphia now. You know, I know your reaction, but you gotta you gotta share what you said uh, immediately after seeing that trade. Oh God, that's a lot of pressure. I don't remember what I said <laughs> exactly. We did a we did a lot of things this weekend, Dan. I, I remember not remember too many specifics about that, unfortunately. But you know, initially I thought it 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 it, it kind of it was a downgrade, mostly because of the the target volume he's probably going to receive now if he still is the one i think smith profiles better as the two anyway but we have to remember that this is still a a low volume passing offense for the most part uh i think it's stock up for for jalen hurts uh and you know stock down a little bit maybe for Devonte smith in terms of overall tar- total target share that he's going to get but there's no doubt that this is a positive mood for the philadelphia offense in general i couldn't agree more i'm wondering though and Ryan, I want I want your opinion on this, of course, too. AJ Brown specifically going from that Tennessee offense, the you know he'd regularly get those opportunities down the field created by Derrick Henry and that running game play action worked so well for him. But we never saw him as a true uh, number one receiver that got ten, twelve, thirteen, fourteen targets every single week. It feels to me like like a little bit of a lateral move moving to Philadelphia where where they're not really a pass-first offense either. At least they haven't been since Jalen Hurts has been inserted as their starting quarterback. I'm wondering if you see an upgrade, a downgrade, or if you see A.J. Brown kind of staying right where he is as far as his dynasty value and his potential production in this Philadelphia offense. I mean, I see it as a downgrade, a pretty clear downgrade for A.J. Brown. And I think you're right. It It is a lateral move in that uh, he's going from one, one team with relatively low passing volume to another. But, I mean, Devontae Smith is already, unless I'm, unless I'm blanking on someone, he's already the best uh, wide receiver that A.J. Brown has ever been paired with. Um, Dallas Goddard is already the best tight end that he's ever been paired with. So he's in Tennessee, and there's basically no no target competition at all, right? Um, I mean, Corey Davis was there a couple of years ago, but he was inconsistent. Johnny Smith there a couple of years ago, he's inconsistent. A.J. Brown was kind of the only show in town from the pass game perspective, and he still couldn't see a, a, a high volume of targets in that offense. Uh, I mean, he, he had those monster games that teased us and remind us reminded us of his upside. He had four games just last season where he had uh, at least 130 yards and a touchdown. I mean, those just looked like monster games, but he had seven games with less than 50 yards. And I think it's going to be the same thing, same type of play in this, in this Eagles offense, but with just more competition. I mean, Devonte Smith was the same way he had uh, three games where he was a top, uh, I'm sorry, four games where he was a top 13 wide receiver or better. Uh, he had he had nine games where he was wide receiver fifty two or worse. So we're already seeing that um, we're already seeing that uh, that inconsistency with the passing game. I wish you all could have been there when when Matt turned to me when that that trade was announced and you know he had that WTF look in his eye <laughs> and uh, you know just kind of stared off into into no man's land and finally finally said it you know WTF and everybody knew what he, what he meant that that just seemed like such an odd trade and there were the rumors of AJ Brown potentially being on on the block but to get a a late first round pick and and a late day two pick as well that that didn't seem like enough to me personally I guess with with all the money going around among all these wide receivers, uh, it shouldn't be all that surprising, Matt. You, you know what it kind of feels like now? We, we've gotten to this point where we don't want to pay running backs their second contract. Are we now in the era where we don't want to pay wide receivers that second contract either? I think we just need this salary cap to catch up to what, what we're paying these guys or what these teams are paying. Uh, that all the rumors are that that the cap is going to inflate next season, and then once again in 2023, maybe that'll make make teams second guess or or at least think twice about about trading these guys before they really hit their their peak. You know, we all look at AJ Brown. We're we're paying we're paying for future production when it comes to AJ uh, AJ Brown. We're paying for his ceiling a little bit in dynasty. 
And I don't think NFL teams want to do that with, with guys like Brown and maybe even DK Metcalf, who is rumored to, to want to, to, to get a new contract in Seattle. We sh- Before we move on, guys, we should talk about the other trade that went down in round one involving a veteran wide receiver, and that was Hollywood Brown going to Arizona. The three of us were in Arizona. Uh, uh, maybe we were on a flight with Marquise Brown because he was already there. That, that trade was clearly worked <laughs> out ahead of time. Um, Hollywood shows up at the draft party for the Arizona Cardinals. That was That was kind of a... A unique situation that was a kind of the other side of the shoe Ryan for me when I saw that trade I thought wow the Baltimore got a first round pick for Hollywood Brown and yeah they had to give away the third round pick to get that done but Hollywood while he has shown some of those flashes and and even had a big stretch early last season where he was a wide receiver one for Dynasty to get that kind of return rather than paying him the big contract that seemed like a win for the Ravens. Yeah, I think so. I think, I, I don't know. I'm kind of torn on this one, actually, from which team won the deal. Uh, I, I mean, you think about the Cardinals. Uh, there were there were rumors that they were interested in Jamison Williams. They were looking for that uh, that guy who can, you know, be a burner down the field. Certainly, Williams, we expect to do that. But Hollywood Brown, we already know he can do that. And we know Kyler Murray can get uh, guys like that the ball. He's got the highest percentage in the league uh, passing percentage in the league on passes that travel 30 yards or more that one is from our buddy rich rebar so um, that's good news and of course we already know that these guys are former uh, former college teammates i think it's great news for hollywood brown Uh, we also of course learned about the suspension for deandre hopkins I, i assume arizona knew that was coming maybe that's further motivation to make that trade and then you look from the Baltimore perspective, they've got Rashad Bateman and not much else at wide receiver. I, uh, yeah, I don't, I don't really know what they're doing, honestly. What about his dynasty value, though? Because, you know, while, while he moves on from, from Baltimore, a run-first offense, he's, he's going to an offense now where they're going to pepper targets all over the field, and whoever's open is getting the ball down there in Arizona. There's also the news of DeAndre Hopkins that came out following the draft, uh, the suspension, and going to miss some time there. There, there are there's a there's a path to Marquise Brown, Matt, making a big impact early as a Cardinal. What are your expect expectations for him? Yeah, I mean he's going to slot in right into that number one role. Obviously, a different uh, a different animal than uh, DeAndre Hopkins is. But with him missing the first six games now, we just we just found out a couple hours ago. Uh, there's room for him to build some rapport with uh, with Kyler Murray right away. And I mean AJ Green is still there, and you know we have love for for. Um, the new God, who who did they just draft? I forget already. Oh no, they didn't draft anybody. Uh, <laughs> Brown is the is the new person uh, for the last guy, last year. Rondale Moore, uh, we still have love for him, but they're different roles. So you know, if, as as far as the deep target goes, I really do think that he's going to slot in there for me. Uh, for me, the interesting side of the 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 ball though is really back in Baltimore and what it does for Rashad Bateman. Uh, that's just it's 146 targets that are vacated from last season. Uh, I was looking at the target uh, distribution last year, and Brown had 146. Andrews had 153. Um, so I wonder how much more he can get. I, I don't necessarily think that Bateman's going to get all 146 or add that to what he got last season. Uh, but, you know, behind that, it's all of a sudden very thin there at receiver. Devin Duvernay, Tylen Wallace, James Prochet. I don't know how much these guys are going to be involved, but it seems like Bateman is the biggest winner potentially from this trade. Uh, one other note, the Ravens uh, were ninth in passing last year with 35.9 pass per tenths per game. But in, in 2020, they were 32nd at only 25.9 per game. So it'll be interesting to see uh, where that, how, how, how pass-heavy they are, if this signifies a, a, a you know, descent back to that 32nd overall ranking. I think it's probably somewhere in between those two. Um, but uh, the Baltimore side is the more interesting part for me. And, and there's some lower-end names in Baltimore, Matt, that somebody has to be running routes up there for for Lamar Jackson 
who's the second guy that you know? I know Andrews is in the middle of the field, and we're going to have Bateman on the outside. Who's who's the other guy that if you're going to grab somebody for free off the waiver wire or get somebody added to a trade, what what name are you targeting? Du- Duvernay would be the one for me, I think, just because of the experience of the system, and he can play a similar role to what Holly did do if they want uh, played. What if they do want to have that field stretcher? He seems to be. Um, the guy now he was he's you know I would say he's more of a seam stretcher from the slot so we'll have to see how they move him around the formation but he would be the first choice James Roche is more of like a traditional slot and he seems just I, I just feel like Andrews is going to get all of that and and Wallace could play outside I think um, but Duvernay and, and Wallace as the speedsters are it's going to be one of those two and I would lean towards Duvernay just because of the experience yeah I think it's probably a wash between he and and maybe Tylen Wallace. We didn't get to see a lot of him last no. year. Maybe he takes a step forward. I'd like to see him get an opportunity. Ryan, going back to Hollywood Brown, he, he moves on to Arizona. I know you were working so much on your rankings all weekend long. Where's he slotted? Did he go up or down? Where does, where does, who does he fit with? What tier of wide receiver right now in Arizona? Yeah, he, for me, he was uh, one of the big winners of the weekend. Um, he's up to wide receiver 21 in my rankings. Uh, looks like that's uh, the highest at DLF right now. Uh, he's right behind a couple of the rookies, Burks and London. So I, I would still prefer those rookies ahead of him. But he's uh, directly ahead of Amari Cooper, Michael Pittman, ahead of his former teammate, Rashad Bateman. Uh, of course, Bateman became, as you guys were saying, became one of the big topics of the week from a dynasty standpoint. We always want to focus on those young guys. But, I mean, Hollywood Brown is still young, too. He's just 24 years old. Um, didn't get that new contract yet. Uh, Arizona did pick up the fifth-year option on him. And uh, I would say the expectation is he gets a deal done there. Matt, you said he's got to build some rapport with, with Kyler. I mean, luckily, he doesn't have to. They already have that rapport Comments from both of them uh, made it seem like they were both really looking forward to uh, being teammates once again. Um, so, yeah, to me, Hollywood's a, a big winner here. Speaking of winners, is there, are there any other veterans specifically? Stay away from the rookies. We're going to get to that in the rookie report. But somebody, Matt, that, that either won or lost a lot of dynasty value based on what happened over the weekend? Yeah, this was a tough question to come up with, too. Uh, you know, Bateman was the obvious one. I think Hertz also benefits a little bit. And, you know, obviously, Kyler. The other one, you know, just basically based on the draft, I think you have to say is, is Zach Wilson. You know, he got another receiver. He got some more help on the offensive line. Uh, he got another tight end. Uh, you know, who knows how much Ruckert is going to play with Azoma and uh, – there's another guy there who I'm forgetting about. Um, but, uh, you know, I think they've shown that they are, are going to surround this guy with talent and they're not going to really give him a reason to fail. So uh, he would be the, the one for me. Ryan? I mean, we've got, we got to talk about Michael Carter. Uh, kind kind yeah. of saw this one coming, yeah. uh, but they had, they had Brees Hall. I mean, Carter had a nice rookie season. Um, if you were expecting him to continue that and build on that, you know, I mean, he's just not that type of running back. He's not going to be an every down back. I, I think he still will have a role um, in that offense. But, I mean, Brees Hall can do it all, and, and they're probably going to give him the chance to do it all. I think I speak for all of us when I say the Jets are on the right track. They, mm-hmm. they seem to be doing pushing all the right buttons, improve their defense drastically, give their young quarterback a few more weapons, and help him up across that offensive line. They – they really made a lot of good decisions over the weekend, and I'm excited to see what Wilson will do in his second year under center for the Jets. It's time for the Rookie Report. I don't know if we should call it the Rookie Report, maybe the, the Draft Report, because, you know, we watched every pick go off the board, and, well, there wasn't maybe as much anticipation in the Dynasty community for this draft because of that lack of, of top-end talent, there was plenty. And we were all very intrigued when that run of wide receivers would start and when that, when that first quarterback would go off the board and if that would, would string, uh, string together with, with other quarterbacks. And, you know, so there was plenty of mystery and intrigue going on on draft day. But because of that, we need to talk about the, the rookie that gained the most va- dynasty value over over those three days of the draft. And 
I didn't really expect there to be a tough decision, Ryan, to make with this this kind of question going in. I thought I thought one or two of them wide receivers would get really good draft capital and an ideal landing spot, and it would be easy to answer because of it. But so many got great landing spots, even into day two of the draft, and, and even a handful of them on day three, that this is a tough question to answer, really. Yeah, it certainly is. You think about uh, players at the top of the draft or that were already expected to be at the top of rookie drafts who maybe solidified their value. But, I mean, I think you can argue, you can argue uh, the, the right order for those wide receivers, right? London versus Wilson versus Burks. And uh, maybe it's Olave versus Jamison Williams. So um, we got good landing spots and we certainly got good draft capital, but I don't know if we got much clarity on uh, the consensus order so that pushes me to look a little further down the list and thinking about James Cook as a big value gainer he was a player that I was a fan of entering the uh, entering the draft heading into the draft and surprised that he he was drafted in the second round I love the landing spot in Buffalo they've already talked about ways they want to use them or use him we know that team was looking for that pass-catching running back. They tried to sign J.D. McKissick. That, uh, that didn't work out, so they kind of telegraphed their move a little bit. But we know they were looking for that uh, type of player for their offense. And, uh, and to me, that, that tells me they're, they're going to use James Cook from day one. Yeah, he was the big winner for me as well. I really felt like that was an ideal landing spot for him with, with the lack of, of – you know, really a, a big time playmaker in that backfield. Matt, throughout the weekend, you, you mentioned a couple guys that, that really moved up for you. I'm sure you're going to go with a wide out though, right? Uh, I'm, I'm not, I mean, there's, there's so many that I want to talk about. I think the wide out you're talking about is Dotson. And I think we have to say that just cause he got unexpected draft capital, but you know, in terms of rankings, like I didn't really move him that much based on that. He's still down in my tier three or four, depending on how you want to define your tiers. Um, but the one that I want to talk about, uh, there's, there's two really the one, one obvious one, other than what you guys mentioned there with James Cook, Damian Pierce goes to a place where he could probably get a full-time role, although a bad role probably in, in Houston. Um, but the exciting one I think happened just today after the draft. And I, we haven't talked about this guy, but Ty- Tyler Algier to the Falcons and the first pick of th- their first pick on day three. Now with Mike Davis cut today, I mean, it's really just Corderell Patterson and are they gonna? How are they gonna use him? Is Tyler Azier gonna end up being, you know, if not the starter, a, a, you know, a large part of the committee? And I know he's a fifth round pick and all that, but um, he's somebody that I can really see moving up draft boards. Uh, uh, it, it, maybe not even that third round pick anymore. Maybe he's moving up into the mid second at this point. I think. Oh, Matt, I, I feel like you like fell into a trap and and did I? I wasn't close enough to save you like yeah, we, we gotta throw him a rope right oh. throw me a rope that i missed something <laughs> no you didn't miss anything but i mean i saw i saw the talk on twitter today as well i mean mike davis gets cut and yeah that clears the way for tyler algier that's that's good but like if mike davis is at this point after the season we saw from him last year if mike davis is impacting the value of any player like i just well, it's not that. It's just the role is open now. Instead of a, a three the role part, is he's open, the three now. They weren't going to use Mike Davis. I, I, I thought I thought you would say Christian Watson. I, that's who I thought you would say, Matt. <laughs> I, I, man, we we were all over the place. I thought for sure he was going to say Sky Moore landing. In <laughs> oh, Kansas I thought you were going to. I thought you thought I was going to say Wandale Robinson. Uh, okay, see, this man, is the problem there, with this class. There's so many just, players to talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. uh, for sure. I actually, speaking of Algier, I I saw the news. I went back to my rankings, which I which I updated beforehand, and tried to see if he needed to go up at all. And I decided to leave him at 23, which is plenty high uh, already. Wait I really second. think in in single quarterbacks. So um, I, I considered it, but really, to me, Algier is 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 what we thought he was when he got drafted by Atlanta in the first place. But we'll see how that plays out over the summer. How about somebody that lost some value? Is there is there a rookie, Ryan, that, that really you thought dropped a lot outside of maybe the obvious? Uh, well, I, 
I think there's two obvious. Go ahead, ones. take the obvious. There's two obvious ones. Let's. Uh, I'll go with a quarterback, Malik Willis, and there were a lot of quarterbacks falling, but Malik Willis is the one. Uh, not only was he the 101 or 102 in superflex leagues, but even in those single quarterback leagues, uh, heading into the draft, our our pre-draft ADP had him as an early second rounder. So I I think that was mostly because we. We kind of didn't know who else to pick at that point. We knew there would probably be some running backs or wide receivers with nice landing spots that would would jump up and claim that spot. But heading into the draft, that's how he was being valued, that people thought he could be uh, a second rounder in in rookie drafts, even in single quarterback. And, And, of course, we know the rest of the story there. He falls to the third round, still gets the nice landing spot in Tennessee, but... Uh, we're probably at least a year away from anything meaningful for him. So I, I certainly wouldn't spend a second round rookie pick at all on him in, in a single quarterback league. And um, we're, we're really going to face some tough decisions in super flex leagues with these quarterbacks um, because maybe outside of uh, outside of corral, I don't know that any of them, uh, any of the day two or three guys uh, are, are walking into a role right away. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot about the quarterback position next week. On next week's show, we'll focus a little more on Superflex. Today, we are talking a lot more about that single quarterback league that that we all probably play in, at least one of. Matt, was there somebody other than Willis for you that really dropped in value? Uh, it's tough because I, I don't I don't really think there's like that many that that actually fell out mm-hmm. outside out outside of Willis and, and the quarterbacks. You know, I thought about Spiller, but you know he dropped to the fourth. We thought he's going to go in the third, but I actually kind of like the landing spot for Spiller. He's not going to be the guy at least right away with Eckler there uh, for the Chargers. But you know, he, if, if he were expecting round three capital, then I, I would say that's a little bit of a disappointment. Um, you know, your boy Pierre Strong joining a crowded backfield in New England. You know. That's that was a little what the bit heck disappointing. Were the Patriots doing? <laughs> I, I I know, right? And then uh, Did they Brian Robinson. That they drafted strong, and and oh yeah, we need a running back. I don't know what the <laughs> heck Uncle Bill's up to. Yeah, and then the other guy, you know, not that he was super high value, but I think he was rising. That's Brian Robinson. Now he just. I mean, he's unless they are just done with Gibson for some reason, they don't trust Gibson. I don't know why else they would make that move. It feels like Gibson is the bigger loser here, but just because he has somebody in front of him like Gibson uh, and then like uh, McKissick in the passing game, I'd say Brian Robinson was a, probably a slight loser here. Ah, that's mm. that's intriguing to me. Because I disagree. I actually him. do you? Yeah. He actually moved up a few spots from my pre-draft oh, rankings. Okay. And maybe that was the draft capital, you know, get, getting locked yeah. in as high as he did. Um, and I think there's a role there, at least Washington, the commanders want him to have that power back role. Mm-hmm. I might be off base on that though. Well, then what, I, don't know. I mean, if that's the case, then what, then we better be moving Gibson like 30 spots down. Well, I think that was another one. There were so few surprises in this draft. I mean, when you yeah. talk about uh, really to me, the only, I mean, the trades, I guess were obviously a the surprise, quarterbacks. But the quarterbacks falling were the big surprise. I mean, if you look at the losers, right, Spiller, we, we kind of saw that coming, right? The lot, there was a lot of talk that uh, the, the poor combine, the poor pro day, uh, he wasn't going to get the day two draft capital. Like all of that buzz was out there prior to the draft. And Matt, I know you, you said you're not that worried about him. The worst part of that deal for me is that he was the ninth running back off the board. Eight running yeah. backs drafted ahead of him. That's, yep. that's the killer um, for his value, in my opinion. Um, We're going to do a mock draft here in a little bit, but I had a hard time ranking Spiller because of what you just said. We, we we all had a lot, of, a lot of hope for him, even coming into the draft after all the workouts and all those things, Ryan. Um, then, then he falls to RB9 in the draft and lands in a spot with a established starter and – but at the same time, the Chargers have been trying to introduce mm-hmm. a second guy into that backfield yep. for what feels like years. So if they continue to do that and Spiller becomes that four or five, six carry a game guy that that could carve out a little bigger role if they want to ease back on Eckler, there is a path to him being fantasy relative, relevant relatively quickly. Yeah, I just feel like the the spot where he is, at least for me in my rankings, in that mid to late second round range, 
is probably where he should have been all along. And whether uh, he was being propped up by um, by his college success or really just by the how poor the draft class looked and, and really is, um, I'm I'm not sure of exactly how he ended up there as, as a, you know, I mean, three months ago, we thought he might be the 101 in rookie drafts, right? Or three or four months ago. I mean, coming into the, coming out of the college football season, there were some that, that had him there in that spot. And, and of course that, that looks way off now. Matt, your thoughts on Spiller and that landing spot is, is you were, you were cautiously optimistic uh, over the draft throughout the draft of, of Spiller. And then he lands with the chargers. Anything to add there? Not really. Just the role they've been trying to fill for, for several years now with Roundtree and, um, uh, Josh Kelly, and it hasn't really worked out. So, uh, J- uh J- Justin Jackson, was always more of like an Austin Eckler replacement more than that secondary role, I think. Um, so, I mean, if he can fill that role, I think he's certainly the most talented of those three guys that they've tried to put in that spot. So, you know, I think you could see him siphoning some touchdowns away in year one for, for, uh, uh for certain. And, you know, he's a good receiver too. So maybe they, they use him in that aspect too. I, obviously the running back nine, having watching all of those guys, including Tyler Algier that we just talked about go before him was certainly disheartening, but you know, maybe this is what he needed to. I don't know, to kickstart his work ethic, whatever it is, whatever the problem might actually be with Spiller. Um, this is a spot where you can sit and learn from a veteran and, and hopefully contribute it even in year one. Before we get to our mock draft, we should uh, introduce a new partnership we have here at DLF and the DLF Dynasty po- podcast. We partnered with Underdog Fantasy to bring you a brand new easy way to claim a free DLF annual premium membership. In addition to the free DLF membership, Underdog Fantasy will provide a 100% deposit match up to $100. This is a great new way for to, to start enjoying the games, the brand new games, the games that have been around for a little while over at Underdog Fantasy. The offer is good for new and existing DLF subscribers. Uh, only available if you if you're a, a brand new subscriber to Underdog, though. So if you already have a DLF subscription, we're gonna we're gonna automatically extend your subscription for another year. If you're not familiar with Underdog Fantasy, it's the best place place to play fantasy sports, including best ball, daily drafts, and pick'em. Underdog uses typical half PPR scoring. Single quarterback rosters with no defenses or kickers. They have 18-round drafts. They're fun. Uh, Both the slow drafts with four-hour timers and the fast 30-second clock drafts are available. It's a fun, fair, and flexible environment you are sure to love. So go to DynastyLeagueFootball.com. Check out that Underdog uh, ad at the side. Click on that. Sign up at Underdog. Get your free subscription and uh, they're going to match up to $100 with a brand new deposit. Go to underdog.com for more details. The DLF Dynasty Podcast Mock Draft. Oh, it's time to mock draft, guys. And we did one last week. We're going to copy that format. Same exact draft. In fact, the same exact draft order as well. Just so we have something to compare to. We're going to get as many picks as we get as we can in this week. We uh, we got 24 in last week. We might try to stretch that. So we better get started right away. Again, one quarterback, uh, assuming PPR and single quarterback, um, league. So I had the first pick, Ryan, you were second and Matt, you were third last week. Let's keep that format. So we have a, a, a base point to, uh, compare against. Um, and at number one, last week I took Traylon Burks and I, I wrestled with myself over how to, how to rank these top guys. I actually went with the running back here. I, I for the first time all season long in both Superflex. And uh, in single quarterback, I moved Brees Hall to the top. I love the landing spot. The fact that they moved up to get him very early in the second round. Um, all all signs point to Brees Hall being that, that all-purpose back that, that gets opportunities on first, second, and third down. Everything we like about Brees Hall, they clearly like in New York as well. And and the additions on the outside and in, the, in the, on that front line for the Jets make me think that 
that Brees Hall could have a really special rookie season. He belongs at the top of everybody's list here uh, in rookie draft season. I was hoping you you stuck with uh, <laughs> stuck with your wide receiver at the top, Dan. But I certainly don't blame you. I agree with you. It is Brees Hall at the top. Uh, that, that's who I got last week at the one point oh two. I won't be quite as lucky this time, but I still like my pick. Um, I, I mentioned earlier. I think it. I really do think it's a challenge to to kind of parse out those those wide receivers, and it's it's always easy to say that the the one to one rankings don't matter. The tiers are more important, and and there's definitely some there's some validity to that. But when you're on the clock, you still have to make a pick. You still got to pick one of these guys that you like the best. Uh, I'm gonna take your guy. I'm gonna take Traylon Burks. He's my wide receiver one in this class. Um, I, I, I was kind of flip flopping on wide receiver one entering the class, and even though he was, uh, I believe he was the sixth rookie wide receiver drafted. Loved the landing spot. We already talked about the Tennessee situation. He's walking right into uh, wide receiver one type of targets there in Tennessee, and and even if they are gonna build that offense on. Um, uh, on Derrick Henry, Burks is still going to be the top uh, target in that offense. Yeah, and one of the things that we like so much about Burks was that double move and those opportunities to get downfield despite his maybe maybe shortcomings as a route runner. A perfect fit in Tennessee to get downfield to make big plays even early on. I would have taken Traylon Burks second in this draft. Matt, who would you have taken and who do you have at three? Yeah, this is a um, this is a tough one after Brees Hall. I think it's a cl- it's a clear tier of one for me. It's like it's 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 almost a, it's not. I wouldn't say it's a chasm, but it's a, it's kind of a chasm because these this next group. I think you could stack them up in a, in a tier of three, like I have done. I think you could talk stack them up in a tier of six with a couple of other guys. Um, but there's no doubt that the, the these next six or seven guys are all much closer together than Brees Hall. Um, I I do I do have a I, I haven't really decided on the order honestly. My next tier is is London Burks and Wilson. You're on it's the people don't look to you for it's, those kind of answers <laughs> well I, like i said like we always said this is the take your favorite player draft and i think you can't go wrong with any of these guys i think well, who's yours receivers... who's your favorite player matt <sighs> my favorite one is garrett wilson but i'm not gonna take him i'm gonna take drake london <laughs> <Whoa. here. laughs> i know i know i never thought i would land on drake london as the second guy out of this tier um, but I think he, I think he is based on draft capital and the situation he's going into. I trust Merrick Marcus Mario a little bit more than uh, uh, Zach Wilson at this point. He's the clear receiving target there outside of Kyle Pitts. So we're taking draft capital and, and potential volume in year one over the player that I that I like a little bit better. Well, I, I think mm. I think something you said there is really important and and, a, and really a takeaway here. Because I think a lot of people are going to be on the clock at two or three and want to move down, right? That's going to yeah. be pretty common, and it's, and it's going to be easier. Don't do it. Well, it's going to be easier said than done. But if you do look at this group of wide receivers, or you can throw maybe one other running back in there as well, and if you think that second tier goes from two to seven, then you're you're a lot. It's going to be a lot easier to move down, right? I mean, you're not yeah. you're. Nobody is going to go from two to four because we look at London and Wilson and Burks as the same. You're you're not getting much for making that move. But if you throw Alave and Williams and Walker and whoever else in that group as well, and you think they're you honestly think they're all in the same tier, then you should be moving down because you can drop to six or seven or eight and pick up something on top of that. Yeah. And maybe something significant uh, such as, you know, if, if, if you have a tier of four or, or maybe better, better a tier of three at two, three and four, uh, and you're sitting down there at seven or eight and you're willing to go up, you're probably willing to pay a relatively big price tag to move up. It's not just your second round pick. Mm-hmm. It's going to be something more than that to make that kind of move. Uh, so it goes Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, and Drake London. One, two, three. I'm back on the clock at four and I will take Garrett Wilson. I think there is a mini tier break here after Wilson. I, I have, I have actually, my rankings are exactly as, as it goes here. One, two, three, four, Hall, Burks, London, and Wilson. I, I really love Wilson in that New York offense. I think maybe there's a little bit of repetitiveness uh, among those wide receivers now 
so we'll have to see how that shakes out. But Garrett Wilson is a guy that we were all pretty excited about coming into the draft. He got all the draft capital that we wanted. He landed in a spot with a young quarterback and an offense that isn't yet established, but certainly is one that we think is on the move uh, going up. Um, so I like, I really like everything about Garrett Wilson here. And to get him at four, that feels like a prime spot. Five, maybe there might be a slight step down, Ryan. Yeah, there probably is. And uh, as I'm looking at this list, I'm I'm already kind of, Finding that uh, that I might want to change my rankings, make some moves. That's how close this this tier and, and this group is. I'm going to go with Jamison Williams here at the uh, at the five spot. Um, just like all of these wide receivers that we're going to be talking about, he gets the draft capital. Uh, I, I certainly like Amon Ross St. Brown, but if if Williams is as as good as advertised and and he can he can make that smooth transition and, and gets healthy. He's going to be the, the top target in that Lions offense. You look, uh, you fast forward one year, they're getting some type of quarterback upgrade, whether it's uh, making a big trade or drafting uh, one of those one of those uh, quarterbacks that we're already liking at the top of the 23 draft. Either way, it's not Jared Goff for long, and that's good news for Jamison Williams. Matt, that puts you on the clock at 106. Who you got here? Yeah, I mean, it seems. Jeez, oh, I'm gonna go with. It's did just, you know it's we just, were, these guys? Did are you just, know we were doing this today? <laughs> I did, and I have I have marinated and thought about this for like 36 hours now. And like the more and more I think about it, the more and more these guys is kind of blend together from a potential fantasy out output kind of situation, especially in year one. Um, but I'm gonna stay at wide receiver. I think there's two obvious pick here. Uh, one of them is the wide receiver, and that's Chris Olave. I think uh, you know goes to a spot where presumed going to be the the number one role, the X role. If, if Michael Thomas comes back and is healthy, we have to assume he goes back to his normal role of lots of slants and stuff like that for, as the big slot player. Obviously, he can't play outside too, but Olave really profiles as that. Uh, I'm just not certain he's going to be able to. I mean, I know that it isn't as big of a transition, but for as it would be for a guy like Christian Watson or whatever. But for some reason, I just have this like gut feeling that Olave is not an NFL wide receiver one. He's going to have a difficulty with true number one cornerback coverage. So I think he's the easy pick here, the the safe pick here, if you were. Um, but I do have my concerns. Well, I don't think yeah, he'll I, see. I can... Will he see? Will he see number one cornerback coverage? Right. I mean, like Michael Thomas is there. But will they? I don't know. I mean, is are they gonna? We don't know what Michael Thomas is. Maybe he comes back and he's not good. Maybe they rest. They they sit the slot corner on him. You yeah, know, Alave okay. can play all three positions, win at all three levels. So I like that for mm-hmm. him. So maybe he won't. And if he doesn't, then it'll be great news. No, I was saying that as as a, a pro for Alave. I think that yeah, yeah. that helps his case. So the first six picks go Brees Hall, Traylon Burks, Drake London, Garrett Wilson, Jamison Williams, and Chris Olave. Very similar to last week. Um, at seven, I'm going to take Kenneth Walker the third. Seattle picked him. Uh, got the draft capital that we expected. The landing spot may be questionable because that offensive line needs needs some work and the quarterback wasn't addressed. We're, we're looking at Drew Locke as the starting quarterback, most likely in Seattle, unless they make a move for one of these veterans that might be available. The one thing is Chris Carson, we're it's doubtful that he is the same guy when he gets back on the field. Rashad Penny outside of a six or seven week stretch last season has never been able to, to stay, really stay uh, healthy, and now we get a young guy in Walker that can come in there. He'll get his opportunity for sure. Seattle always gives their guys those chances. They rotate through those running backs until they find the one that they really like. And once he takes that job, I think there's a path to him becoming uh, a fringe running back one at his ultimate upside. I think the expectation most likely is RB2 type production, and that's just fine with the seventh pick in a rookie draft that is is really full of wide receivers with upside. I think he fits in right here at seven. That's where I have him ranked. Yeah, I like the Walker pick. Definitely the the next guy in line. I think the yep. the valuation on him is going to be pretty wide, right? Like it's easy, and, and you kind of 
you kind of told both sides of the story there, Dan. It's easy to, to look at Penny and, and think he was so good. And if he continues that, then then Walker may not may not even get much of a chance. Uh, at the same time, we know Penny's history, um, and, and he could be hurt again, and, and Walker could be the guy. I think I think Penny signed just uh, just a one year deal. I believe that's what yeah, that it was, was a one year so, deal. Yeah. He he got fringe starter type money right. for one year, so it looks like he's going to get a chance. Of course, but they didn't know they were going to get Kenneth Walker at the time as well. So well, so the first seven Kenneth picks are right. I mean that's, just, that's a bad seven, bad pick by then. Couldn't you see Walker? Like the reason why I said this could just all be one tier is couldn't you see Walker being the one hundred two in, in many leagues? Sure. Just based on like there's no running other running backs that we're super confident are going to get you know work in year one. I guess. I, I definitely think he could be. Uh, I'm on I'm on the clock at one hundred eight though. Uh, I've been chasing draft capital. I'm going to pivot from that and I'm going to chase a landing spot instead. Mm. I'm going to go with Sky Moore here at oh. the one point oh eight. Uh, Kansas City Chiefs wide receiver they drafted in the uh, second round. And, of course, Tyreek Hill's gone. Juju is there. Sky Moore is now there. MVS is there. None of those guys are really prototypical wide receiver ones. So I'm, I'm really interested to see how, uh, how things shake up in, uh, or shake out in, in Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to put the pressure on on Dan to take the draft capital guy and stay away. I'm going to I am going to go with Christian Watson, who uh, you guys know I was not excited about landing in <clears throat> Green Bay pre-draft, uh, and I'm still very worried about it. But you can't deny the athleticism. You know, you don't know what he's gonna, what's going to happen in year one with Rogers historic. Uh, not really using his his rookie wide receivers, but I think this is a very different situation than past rookie wide receivers. You don't have Donald Driver and Greg, Greg Jennings there. You don't have Jordy Nelson and Greg Jennings there. You don't have Devontae Adams there. Uh, it's re- literally no one but Watson and a bunch of, of guys that we think can probably catch a few passes. So uh, just based on upside alone, I think Watson slots in here right in the same area as Sky Moore. Yeah, I, I have Watson one spot in front of Sky Moore, and I think they're they're close. You know, that's going to be whoever in the eye of the beholder. But I think they belong right here at eight and nine. I actually have one player in front of the guy that you're talking about, and that's George Pickens. I would mm. I would take Pickens uh, because of the ultimate upside uh, in Pittsburgh with with the new quarterback and all those things. I trust the Pittsburgh Steelers to develop their second round wide receiver like they have so many times in the past. So I have him at 10 and the guy Ryan's about to take at 11. Yep. I will pull the trigger on Jahan Dotson. Uh, I almost took him over Sky Moore, honestly. Um, It's not just first, it's not just first round draft capital. It's mid first round draft capital, higher than anybody expected, uh, expected Dotson to be drafted. Um, I don't necessarily look at Washington and think that's a good landing spot, but there certainly is opportunity. Um, you could argue they upgraded the quarterback position this offseason. We'll we'll see about that. With it'd be a long argument. It would be <laughs> with uh, <laughs> with Carson Wentz there. But uh, honestly, I would say the same thing I said about Detroit. Uh, if I mean, if Wentz doesn't basically, if he doesn't go back to that. Uh, near MVP level, he's going to be gone, and they're going to have have another quarterback. Um, so long term, uh, I feel good about Jahan Dotson here. This is where things get pretty interesting, Matt. This is the tier break. There's eleven play the the giant tier break. You know, there's the giant one after Brees Hall, I would argue, and now there's this one where now you just throw a whole bunch of guys together. I think so. You know, get a top eleven pick if you want to feel good. I think about your about your selection uh, here. I think I'm going to, man, I, I feel like no matter who we're drafting, none of them really would belong in the first round of a, of a really good rookie draft. Um, but I'm going to go back to running back and take James Cook, who you guys mentioned, uh, you know, I th- immediately becomes the best pass catching option out of the backfield. Zach Moss is dead. Devin Singletary, his guy's coming for your, for the early down roll too, I think. So James Cook could get pushed into the late first. Cook went 18th overall in our mock draft last week and he moves up to 12 for the record i had him at 12 as well so i think he belongs here the first round's over it goes Brees hall Traylon burks and drake london followed by garrett wilson jameson williams 
and Chris Olave. The second half of round one went Kenneth Walker, the third, Sky Moore, Christian Watson, George Pickens, Jahan Dotson, and James Cook. I'll lead off round two right here, and I'm going to stick with the running backs. I'll take Damian Pierce, who lands with Houston and certainly looks like the number one running back in that backfield. He should get an opportunity early and, and most likely often with the Texans. I'll, I guess I'll take, you know, he's a guy I really liked coming into it and landing in a spot where he's going to get some kind of workload or an expected workload that feels all right at 13 overall. Uh, 14 overall, 2.02. I will keep the, the mini running back run going. I'll take Rashad White. Um, I, I think in general, we, we, we kind of being the, the, the dynasty community, we liked the tape on this guy. We liked what he could be. We were worried about the draft capital. The draft capital ended up being just fine. Day two, the landing spot is very good. Tampa Bay, uh, there to, uh, to, to back up and, and to play alongside Leonard Fournette. I mean, it's, it's another reminder that Keyshawn Vaughn was a wasted pick. Ronald Jones is gone. I think Rashad White can be and, and maybe already is better than Ronald Jones. So uh, I'll take him here just outside the uh, first round. Matt, you're up at 15 overall. I will go back to wide receiver and got to recognize Wandale Robinson's second round draft capital here. Sort of seems like it spells the end for Kadarius Tony. We, we know that he has been a bit of a knucklehead and it seems like the Giants are ready to move on for him. And this feels like a direct shot uh, at that possibility. So, I mean, this is either going to be a really good pick or it's going to be both Tony and Robinson kind of, you know, cannibalize each other and neither of them are, are good for fantasy. Last week, I took John Mechie at 13 overall in our mock draft, and he, he slip, slides down all the way to 16 overall. I actually like the landing spot with Houston. There's going to be opportunity there. Um, I know the quarterback situation gives a lot of dynasty managers pause, and, and many think that that's not necessarily a good thing for Mechie. But if you look at, at what, ha- what really transpired last year, he might have been the second-best rookie quarterback. He, he really played well down the stretch, and the team has invested in him now. They've given him another weapon. They, they added a running back. They also addressed the offensive line a little bit. So I'm, I'm interested to see what Mechie can do. I really think he is going to be underdrafted when this is all said and done, and I'm thrilled to get him here at 16. I am going to go with a wide receiver as well at 2.05. Uh, a guy that I've liked, but again, kind of had some doubts if he'd get that draft capital he won. It's David Bell. He does get the draft capital. Uh, day two pick to the Browns. Uh, there there were comps to Bell uh, or, or to Jarvis Landry for Bell, uh, especially after we saw him run. And uh, this, is, this is a perfect landing spot. He can be the new Jarvis Landry in that offense and obviously a much better quarterback situation there now. Yep, that would have been my pick as well. Um, but I'm going to stay with wide receiver and go Jalen Tolbert to the Cowboys. Uh, obviously, there's a there's a there's a role to be filled early on while Gallup is is out, you know, figuring out that injury situation. So uh, Tolbert to the Cowboys, good landing spot, good player, uh, makes sense to me in the middle of the second round. I'm going to take Alec Pierce at the 207. I like that landing spot as well. The Colts were kind of one of them sneaky, really good landing spots, potential to to play right away. Uh, they play a lot of three wide receiver sets to try to spread out the defense and, and allow that running game to create space. Alec Pierce is a pretty darn good player and a guy I really liked coming into the draft. I love that he got the draft capital on day two to go along with a nice landing spot. He fits right in here in my rankings. Ryan. 2.08. I think it's time for some running backs for, for oh. our next year of running backs. Uh, I'm going to take the one I like best. We talked about him earlier in the episode. Brian Robinson uh, goes to Washington. And uh, uh, yeah, I am a little worried about Antonio Gibson here. Matt, you're up at 2.08. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think there's a few running backs here to select from still. I'm going to, I know, oh, geez. <laughs> You're taking Spiller. Tier. Move on. I <laughs> am. I'm taking Spiller. I don't think it's the necessarily the the smartest move, but I really do like the spending spot. I still like the player. There is run running back that I have ranked just above him that I d- did not select, and I'm sure it will go right now-ish. 
Yeah, I'm going to maybe I'll take him. I don't know. I'm going to take Zamir White who yep, landed in it. Las Vegas. Uh not really all that bad of a landing spot when you consider what happened over the weekend. Josh Jacobs doesn't have that fifth year yep. picked up. So we'll see if Zamir White can carve out a role as a rookie and potentially if they could see him as a replacement in 2023. Yeah, the scary thing on uh, on Jacobs is we know Vegas already, the Raiders already didn't want to give Jacobs any targets, even though he was a pretty solid pass catching back coming out of college. And uh, now they're taking Zamir White, who uh, all he does is, is gain four yards of carry right up the middle. So maybe they don't want to give Jacobs the, the tough inside carries either. <laughs> uh, I'm, I'm worried about Jacobs from a dynasty standpoint. Uh, I will take uh, yet another running back we talked about earlier. Um, one that uh, I guess Matt likes, Tyler Algier. Looks like he's <laughs> in line. I mean, when, if you get rid of Mike Davis, it's it's huge news, obviously. So, uh, no, but it, it is good news that that Algier could see an early uh, early role in that Atlanta offense. And uh, I'm I'm not spending up on him, but a late second in this class is a pretty easy call. Matt, finish up round two. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of players you could take here, but we haven't cracked open tight end, and I'll take Trey McBride here. Uh, you know, we talked about him last last time. He's he's fine. He's okay. You know, getting to sit behind Ertz or even playing alongside Ertz for a year or two until Ertz rides off um, will be good for him. We know he can handle a high-volume passing role. That may not happen in that offense with all the weapons there, um, but I, I think he could at least be Zach Ertz, and if Zach Ertz is producing at a late tight end one level, then once he moves on, maybe McBride does the same. Hmm. So round two is in the books. It went Damian Pierce, Rashad White, Wandale Robinson and John Mechie, followed by David Bell, Jalen Tolbert, and Alec Pierce. The 208 was Brian Robinson, then Isaiah Spiller, Zamir White, Tyler Algier, and Trey McBride. Let's shoot through round three real fast, guys. Uh, not a lot of time for for a breakdown, but we can get the picks in for sure. I'll kick it off at 25 overall with Tyreon Davis-Price, San Francisco. We always like San Francisco running backs. I'll take a tight end as well. I'll, I'll go with uh, Jelani Woods, uh, Colts tight end, super athletic guy, big guy. And uh, the Colts don't really have a tight end that uh, that we can count on. Maybe maybe it's him. I like that pick. I'll go with Khalil Shakur. Lands with Buffalo. Obviously a good quarterback, good offense. Gabriel Davis, you know, you keep performing in the playoffs, but it doesn't seem like they want you to be the guy uh, in the regular season. I'm going to go with another Packer wide receiver right here. I'll take Romeo Dubs, uh, second day or third day draft capital, early third day, and the Packers need wide receivers, so we'll see if he can can get a rapport with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, we're definitely into the day three picks now. Um, I'll take a day three wide receiver as well. Calvin Austin, Pittsburgh. Um, you know we. A lot was made about losing Juju and, and and needing some wide receiver help. They also lost some depth guys like Ray Ray McLeod, and uh, maybe Calvin Austin can, can step in and be that type of player for them. I feel like we're playing chicken here, and I'm going to lose, so I'm just going to go ahead and take Kenny Pickett. Only first-round quarterback, probably not starting in the first half of the season unless Trubisky is an absolute dumpster fire. Um, but I feel like he's going to start at some point next season, which behind that Steelers offensive line, uh, good luck, rookie. <laughs> I like that pick. This is about where he belongs for mm -hmm. sure. I'll take Pierre Strong at the 307, even though uh, we're not sure how that running back is going to, that running back room is going to kind of pan out where I still like his upside as a playmaker. 3.08. Uh, I'm going to go back to chasing some draft capital, even though I, I don't necessarily approve of the pick. I'll go with Tyquan Thornton, uh, day two pick for the New England Patriots. Obviously, they need some wide receiver help. I don't know that it's going to be him, but I'll take a chance that it is. Yeah, we're really getting into it. <laughs> getting into it now, guys. Uh, just uh, it's purely based on draft capital and, you know, there being a clear, presumably a clear role from there, I will begrudgingly take Vellis Jones uh, for the Chicago Bears. Yeah, he was he got a little higher draft capital than a lot of us expected. That guy kind of yeah. scratched my head on that one. 
Um, I'm up at the 310, and I think I'll go with a quarterback as well. I'm going to take Desmond Ritter right here. He's my second quarterback in my rankings. Uh, I will stay away from quarterback. Uh, I'm tempted. Tempted on Malik Willis for sure, but um, instead I'll go with Hassan Haskins. Uh, Tennessee took him on day three, big running back from uh, from Michigan, I believe, and had a lot of success in college. They don't they don't have much behind Derrick Henry, so this is just kind of Derrick Henry insurance. Matt, finish it up. Yeah, I'll take uh, I'll take Danny Gray. Uh, you know, maybe Debo moves on. You don't know. Uh, maybe there's a role for a speed guy like Danny Gray, four three three forty. You know, he's he's a he's a speed receiver. He's going to add that element to the team. Uh, this is definitely a late third round pick though, and a complete dart throw. We don't have time to to recap the whole draft, but I'll give you round three real quick. Tyrion uh, Davis Price went first, then Jelani Woods. Khalil Shakir, Romeo Dubs, Kelvin Austin, and Kenny Pickett. The second half of the third round went Pierre Strong, Tyquan Thornton, Valus Jones Jr., Desmond Ritter, Hassan Haskins, and Danny Gray. I think, if anything, guys, we learned that round three is going to be a crapshoot and you're just throwing a <laughs> dart. Uh, because, you know, outside of maybe the top couple that, that I'm kind of excited about, I'd love to get Woods on all my teams for sure. Um, it's, it gets pretty questionable pretty fast. Uh, I guess that's going to do it for this episode of the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Follow Ryan at RyanMC23. Matt's at MattPriceFF. I'm DMiler22. Also follow the podcast at DLF Podcast. Let us know what you think of our mock draft. Let us know who you're drafting. Drafts are kicking off all over the place. We want to see those live results. Let us know where we messed up and, and which rookies you want us to talk about. Next week, we're going to talk a lot about Superflex Leagues. We'll get another mock in. We'll talk about a lot more rookies or or get in depth with a few more that we didn't hit this week. Also going to talk about some vets and uh, maybe get some listener questions in. So uh, we're looking forward to next week. Hope you are too. For Ryan and Matt, I'm Dan. We're listening to the DLF Dynasty Podcast. Please remember to rate and review and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.